Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit us at unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. All right, we're going to dive into fear. Everybody uh, tired of being afraid? Fear's dumb. Amen. Let's get the worship team back up here, right? Fear is dumb. Oh, man, I tell you what. When fear is driving the bus, life is terrible. When fear is in control of our life, it literally chokes out everything good. And we read that passage that says, perfect love casts out all fear. I want you to imagine when fear has all the place in your life, when it's taken up all the room and all the space. There's not really space for love. God is love, and what we're going to talk about today is truly, really about trusting God the Father with your life in a practical way. And a lot of the other messages we had were about understanding the fear of God and how we hear to God or how we move toward him in relationship and how he is the big, all-powerful God, protects us and guards us, and how we... Uh, also understand that phobias, that the enemy wants to attach phobias to everything to get us to run and hide and just experience all of this limitation in our life. But today we're going to talk very specifically about what fear does to us and how do we overcome it. Sound good? Matthew chapter 6 verse 34 in the NIV says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus, your God, said this. And we're going to read some things Jesus teaches us about worry. Now, we've talked about phobias. We've talked about to move towards God, right, and fearing God. And we're going to talk about worry or anxiety. This is a different Greek word. And I can't pronounce it, so I'm not going to even try, okay? It starts with an M, all right? I can spell it for you. M-E-R-I-M-N-A-O-O-E. Yeah. To have anxiety or be worried or concerned about things you cannot control. This type of worry, this type of anxiety is is more subtle than some of the other fears. Like when I'm afraid of bald people, like I have a literal phobia of bald people, I like shrink back and, and run, arachnophobia, I hide and run from Spiders, it's like this object has now been attached, fear has been attached to this object. Those things are sometimes more obvious. But anxiety and concern can so easily be manipulated and seen as actually, in our eyes, something good and or God's will. Or the right behavior choices for you to make. But Jesus says, don't worry. Be happy now. Luke 12, 11, here Jesus goes on this rant, and I'm just going to skip to the, only the parts where he talks about worry. He says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, authorities, don't worry. Don't worry about how you will defend yourselves. Don't have anxiety about protecting yourself or what you will say. Don't worry about knowing what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you At that time, say that time. time. Okay, this is really important. You understand this. At 
that time what you should say. Verse 22, skips ahead. Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. That's pretty much sums everything up, doesn't it? And he sort of breaks it down. What you're going to eat, don't worry about what you're going to eat, or about your body, or what you're going to wear. How much time do we spend worrying about our life, what we eat, our bodies, what we wear, defending ourselves, what we're going to say? Oh, when this person does that, this is what I'm going to say. How much worry is in our life in these areas that Jesus himself just said, stop having anxiety about these things. Verse 29 says, don't set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. Think about this. Don't set your heart upon it. I've got to have this thing. And if I don't, then I'm not okay. Anxiety. The fear of loss. The fear of missing out or losing something. Verse 32, he says, don't be afraid, little flock. I like it when Jesus calls me his little flock. (laughs) For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Perspective. Perspective. Don't worry about all this little tiny stuff that doesn't matter. I gave you the kingdom. I gave you the kingdom. Who cares if you got clothes or shoes from Nordstrom's? Who cares if you're hungry? It doesn't matter. Perspective. Don't worry about or grab onto or try to control, manipulate, hold onto, move things you don't have the power to move and sit and worry, worry, worry about them because he has given you the kingdom. So, verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the poor. You don't need that stuff. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted where no thief comes near nor no moth can destroy for where your treasure is there your heart will be also. So I want you to to think about this is that if, if you are investing in something here on earth that is driven from fear or the, the fear of loss or protect yourself or take care of yourself, your body, your life, all of these things, when we sow from fear, we get no eternal reward. This is what he's saying right now. And he goes, don't do that. Don't put your treasure there. Don't invest your life there. Stop worrying about this stuff because I gave you the kingdom. The kingdom of God is eternal. And when Jesus paid the price for it, he gave it to you and I. And it's purchased by what he did, not what we can do. It's not earned. It is given. And and it's also secure and permanent. You don't lose it like your car keys. And everything we do in this life When it's invested from the heart of love, 1 Corinthians 13, it's driven from love, then it does produce good fruit, kingdom fruit. But I want you to think about this. Let's think about this sort of, if we run the thought the opposite direction, is that love produces life in the kingdom, but fear is a thief. Fear is actually a thief. He's telling you right here, fear is a thief. And it's going to steal everything important in your life. 
If you allow it, if you allow worry and anxiety to drive and drive and drive, it'll rob and rob all that you allow it to. But when you invest in the kingdom, fear and the, the thief cannot come take that. It's protected. We have to learn how to stay anchored in the king and anchored in the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we're asking you right now that you would help us to see the way you see. Lord, we need you right now. We want to see the truth about who we are and what you have fully, fully done for us. Bring fresh revelation in our hearts and our lives today. God, I'm believing you for breakthrough. God, that we will no longer be subject to the spirit of fear, anxiety, worry, and phobias. Instead, God, we will just be recklessly abandoned and caught up and drawn into your spirit, God, that calls us your kids. We worship you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's a cool passage in Lamentations. How many of y'all reading Lamentations this week? <laughs> Just me? Okay. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. Look at that. Perspective. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. They don't run out. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Brand new. Every single day that God provides. God provides new life, new fresh life, new mercy, new grace. Is brand new, ready to go for you every morning. I say to myself, self. The Lord is my inheritance. Come on, say self. The Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Not in what I can control. Not in what I can try to manipulate and take advantage of for my own gain or protection. My body, my wear, my shoes, my feet, they need shoes. God, what am I going to do tomorrow? My mercies are new tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. you got plenty of stuff to do today. And in fact... All you have is manna for today. And I want us to just go back into the story uh, about is, the, is, the, the nation of Israel. Right when they come out of Egypt, um, they're out wandering around now in the desert. And they're like, what in the world are we going to do? And one of the things that the Israelites were really good at was whining. They're kind of a lot like us, aren't they? We like we always give them a hard time. But if you put us in a giant group... We'd probably sound just like them, right? Just always complaining and all this stuff. And they're like, what are we going to do? And how are we going to eat? We should go back to Egypt. And God's like, oh. He says, I got to, listen, I'm going to do something. I'm going to teach you. He says this very specifically in Exodus 16. He says, I'm going to teach all y'all, my kids, a lesson here. I want you to understand something. I know you, it's really hard to forget that I just parted the Red Sea. I know that's a totally easy thing just to pass up, you know, when the walls water and you're being chased and you watch, you know, the pillar of fire. I know that was just small stuff that I did and it's easy for that to just blink. Oh, yeah, that's gone. That's in the rearview mirror. And the plagues, you know, the 10 plagues. I know that was, you know, just messing around, I guess. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you a lesson. And this is important because it says I want to teach you a lesson. He wants to teach us a lesson. And this comes about, in fact, Jesus was referring to this 
when he was teaching his people how to pray, you'll see this when teaching disciples how to pray, is he says, look, every morning for six days, you're going to wake up and in each morning there's going to be brand new fresh food. It's going to fall from heaven. I'm going to rain it down on the ground. It's going to be awesome. And you're going to gather up as much as you need. In each family, doesn't matter how big or small it is, you're going to have enough for every family. It's going to have plenty. And whatever is left over, just leave it on the ground. It doesn't matter. Don't try to gather more for two days because I'm going to bring more the next day. Okay? And then he says, check this out. Look what he says in, in uh, verse 23. He told them, this is what the Lord commanded, tomorrow there will be a complete day of rest, a holy Sabbath, a day set apart for the Lord. So bake and boil as much you want today and set it aside what is left over for tomorrow. So he gives them one extra day. He gives them a day where they get to take a break and he's going to give them double portion on one day so they can take a break on that next day. How awesome is that? He goes, look, just take as much as you need for two days. It's going to be great. I'm giving you a day off. How many like it when your boss gives you a day off? You're like, let's do it. Verse 24, they put some aside in the morning just as Moses had commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots or odor. Praise the Lord. <laughs> See, that's what happened if they gathered too much during the other days. During the other days, if they tried to gather up all they needed for all the days to come to protect or guard themselves against their fear, to control against their fear, which would be that they would go hungry the next day. Who do they not trust? God, because who's the provider? Okay, so we're getting there. <laughs> Just glad you all got that one. So, verse 25 says, Moses said, eat this food today, for today is the Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today. Okay, so like, <laughs> gather for two days, no food showing up on the Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground. You may gather the food for six days, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be no food on the ground for that day. Some of the people went out anyway. Sounds like some of us, right? There's times when I find myself out anyway, even though the Lord said, hey, I got this. I'm like, oh, no, 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 that's cool. It's cool, pops. I know you got this, but I need to go to work. I need to get out there and do something. But they found no food. So when we get out there and we do it on our own, we find no food. We do it out of fear, we find no food. We find no life. We find no kingdom. We find no provision from the Lord. Then the Lord asked Moses, this is cool because God asks Moses this question. How long would these people refuse to obey my instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. God's day of rest is his gift to you. That's why he gives you two-day supply for the sixth day. On the sixth day, there will be enough for two days. Listen, say this. There will be enough. Do not go out and pick food on the seventh day. <laughs> so the people did not gather any food on the seventh day. The Israelites called the food manna. 
Ooh, which is, what is it? That's hilarious that they named it that. But this concept of manna is such a big deal because he said, I want to teach you a lesson. He's trying to teach his kids every single day. He wants to train into them. I'm going to provide. I'm going to provide. I'm going to provide. I know you woke up today and you've got nothing. But you're going to come outside and you're going to see I've provided. But if you try to take matters into your own hands, you're going to gather for more than one day or more than you really need. And you're going to reach out there and you're going to, it's going to, you're going to find that it turns into maggots. This is another great message on giving, by the way. If you're holding on to resources God gave you, you're trying to hold them up, they're just going to turn into maggots and rot. Rather, they're the Lord's. He's going to provide for tomorrow. So give them to him and put them into treasure in heaven, which is what he said to do. Don't worry about today. I got today. I have grace and mercy brand new for you today. I Today I don't have mercy for tomorrow. Tomorrow I have mercy for tomorrow. Today I have manna for today. And then tomorrow I'll give you manna for tomorrow. But you have to wait. You have to wait. So don't worry. Amen. Don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. How many songs are about tomorrow? How much of your life is about tomorrow? How much of the pit in your stomach, the anxiety you're experiencing is about tomorrow or yesterday? But today, this day, is the day that his mercy is new. That his provision is renewed. And you and I, we can only collect enough for today. Tomorrow worries about itself. Isn't that great? Let tomorrow carry all the worry. You don't need to burden yourself with the worry of tomorrow because God has it. And even so much so, he has it so strongly, so securely, he wants you to take a break so he can show you how in control he is. He says, I want you not only to see that I'm going to give and show up every single day and provide, but I'm going to give you enough to where you can even take a day off and I'll keep the universe spinning. How's that seem? It seems kind of weird that we think God can't do it and provide for us, but really is a, is a test of trust. Because when we trust in him, we year to him, we move toward him in reverence and worship, we say obedience, sure, obedience, but it's reverence to God that moves us into a relationship where we don't have to live in fear. How is that? I mean, fear is the worst. See, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray the same lesson. He says, I want you to pray this same lesson that I taught my kids, the Israelites, out in, uh, in Egypt when I was giving them the manna. Luke eleven two says, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day, say each day, <laughs> the food we need. Give us each day. Not give me today all the food I need for the rest of my life. 
Give us each day the food we need and forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation. How about yielding to the temptation of fear? Because fear is the absence of trust. Phobia, fear, anxiety, worry, fear. That is the absence of trusting God and trying to then take over, take charge, take control of every day, your provisions for the day. Look at Ecclesiastes 2.22. So what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? What do they get? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It's all meaningless. I want you to think about this. What does fear give you? What does worry give you? Has it ever given you anything good? You worrying. Has it ever helped you? Anything? Worrying about your kids? Worrying about your finances? Worrying about your relationships? And worrying about your hair? Come on. When I was in the 80s, I used to worry about my hair. Then it just falls out and you're like, well, I guess I can't worry about that no more. I mean, I spent hours on my hair. How many of you guys spent hours on your hair in the 80s? I mean, I wasted some of, yeah, some of y'all. Still spend hours on your hair. I get it. But in the 80s, it was excessive. We were literally, it was all about killing the ozone back then, right? Apparently, that's not a thing anymore. The 80s stopped. The hairspray stopped, so I guess it's not a thing anymore, right? All right. But what has worry ever given you? Anything. Nothing. It's never helped you with anything. It is only taken from you. It's a thief. It's only stolen from you. It's meaningless. This is what, this is what uh, uh, Solomon says. He says, so I decided there's nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and find some satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. You know what, why don't I just relax? Why is this man on the planet? God gave him the gift of wisdom. Wisdom is truth applied to your life. You know, why don't I just relax and let God be gone? And how about I just do what he tells me to do today? How about I just let him feed me today, provide for me today, give me manna today, and how about I just let him worry about tomorrow and spin in the universe, and I'll even take one day off a week. Doggone it. This isn't a message about the Sabbath, but maybe it should be. It's connected. We don't rest because we're afraid. Because we're anxious and we drive. We've got to drive, 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 drive. American culture is driven so much by fear. Fear of what we won't be, fear that we won't measure up, fear that we won't be the success, or as far along as we should be, or ought to be, or could be, or who, uh, eh, as good as the person next to us. Like, who? Dude, how about just, Lord, how about just today? Look, look I'm going to enjoy today. I'm going to do everything you put in front of me today. I'm going to work hard. He said, look, I'm going to work. But I'm going to have find satisfaction today because here's the thing. When I'm worried about the manna tomorrow, when I'm trying to leverage my tomorrow and I'm worried about the manna tomorrow, I miss the manna today. When I'm so worried about and anxious about tomorrow, I miss my peace today. When I'm so worried about tomorrow, I miss my joy today. When I'm so worried about tomorrow, I miss the goodness and self-control and the love today. The very fruits of the Holy Spirit, the one who's come to provide for you every day, I miss him 
because I'm so bound up with worry and anxiety. I'm going to give you just a little example because I just feel like it. And so I've got a, uh, can you still hear me? (sighs) That was a long walk. I've got a little example here. Uh, Maggie, will you come help me? My lovely assistant. This is my daughter, Maggie. Maggie Joy. You can just hold the microphone. (laughs) You're my microphone stand. Isn't she fabulous? Okay. So yeah, there you go. You got me, Griff? Okay. So here's what we're thinking about leverage, okay? So when God says, I have manna and leverage for today, I have grace for today, but the problem is, is when I lose sight or track of that, now I am trying to leverage tomorrow. I lose my peace today. Life gets really heavy when I take my problems and I start to project them out. Right? You, you, like, like this pole doesn't feel very heavy like this, does it? It's pretty light. But if I start getting it out here, I start thinking way out here, it starts to get heavy. And it's a lot to hold. In fact, I only have grace for what's close to me, not what's way out there. And so it gets really heavy. And what's amazing is that we are so awesome, we think that we can really get out there. One time I did hit a small child with a football during an analogy, but you guys will all be safe, I promise. Right? Let my weight training not fail me. It gets to a point where I literally have no more strength. I run out of my strength to leverage tomorrow. You want to see something else that's really scary? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I do. Is it? Now, my movement, I'm going to try my best. My movements here close to my body is very little, but look at how much it moves out there. Okay, so... In the moment today, when I'm afraid or I have a decision that needs to be made, I have this decision today and it moves very small. But if I'm looking way out here and I make a decision, it has this radical movement. This is what freaks me out. My kid doesn't go to church on Sunday. Oh, he's going to become a sinner. He's going to start doing drugs. He's going to like go out and sleep with prostitutes. Radical Come on. If you're like me, this is the way you think. And the reason is because is you're way out there. And the ideas are so broad. But the reality is, is for me to get from this point in my finances, which is like, okay, I'm doing really good. I've got savings. I'm doing awesome. To I have a shopping cart and I live on the side of the street. Do you know how many bad decisions I have to make every single day to get from here to way out there? But I'll freak out way back here as if it's going to happen to me way out there. Are you with me? Don't worry about tomorrow. It's got enough worry of its own. Okay, now I want you to think about it like this. Okay, got you good? Yeah. Hopefully tomorrow happens. Do you have a guarantee tomorrow? You don't. Neither do I. I do have a guarantee of eternity. Come on. So if I shift my perspective and say, no, God, you know what? You've given me the kingdom. 
I'm not made for this life. I'm a rotten salmon swimming upstream. So what? I'm going to do like what Solomon says. I'm just going to live the day and enjoy it. Whether I can bend my knees or not. I'm just going to make the most of it. But we should think about life not like a long pole where we have to carry the weight of tomorrow. Instead like a rope. Where I'm just going to carry today. And I'm going to trust him for the rest of that that has no weight. And then when it's tomorrow, guess what I'm going to do? <laughs> Thanks. But look at tomorrow and yesterday. And then I just go to the next day, and God gives me manna for that day. And I'm like going to enjoy it. I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to get the best out of it. And in this day, instead of investing worry and fear and strife about there and what happened, instead, I say, God, let this day make a mark in eternity. Let this day that I'm in today, let the grace, the manna that I get to pick up from heaven, from you today, let that grace provide a reward for me in heaven. This, instead of working for out there, it's working for up there. I'm taking this treasure, my time, my talent, my money, my resources, my prayer, my, my concern. I'm taking that and I'm investing it in obedience to what God said and I'm putting it there. Even when that day comes that he says, take a break. <laughs> and that's what I do that day. When I do that that day, do you know that that stores up treasure in heaven? You know why? Why? Because he said to do it. was <laughs> so awesome. Just look at how easy this life is. One day at a time. When you get tempted to grab the pole, put it down and pick up the rope. Say, God, I just let... What happened behind me just fall behind me. I no longer look to the past, but I press on to the future for the high calling in Christ Jesus. I press on. Guess what? Thank you, my lovely assistant. Isn't she fabulous? I love you. Thanks for joining my world 21 plus years ago. His mercy is anew. It's afresh every single morning. Hebrews 4.16, look here. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Not in, that, not in our time that we need tomorrow. In our time of need, right now, when I need it, I approach the throne. Not, oh God, I need to approach you, but all my worries and concerns that could possibly maybe happen over this broad scope and spectrum of time that I'm not promised, but I hope for. You know, you're not promised tomorrow? And we get all mad when we don't get tomorrow, don't we? We're like, I don't get tomorrow. That guy didn't get tomorrow. We're like, oh, mad. You get eternity. What could you possibly be mad about? Perspective. But today, God, I need you. That's true. Because I do have some concerns about today, and I need to bring them to you right now. 
But that's where you're going to find the power, the grace, when you need it most. Guess what? You don't need it 100 days from now, right now. You need it right now, right now. If you waste your life and time worrying about tomorrow rather than grabbing the grace today, you're going to get overwhelmed. And anxiety is going to take over your life. What happens when fear starts to take control? It actually begins to restrict your kingdom life. It starts to choke it out. Worry and anxiety is a thief. It will steal your love, your peace, your joy, your patience, your goodness, your self-control. Fear will choke it all out. It's like cutting off the circulation to your arm, right? When you just wrap a rope around your arm, you do that for long enough, you can no longer move your arm. You've lost it. In fact, over time, it will amputate your arm or a body part that you tie it around. Children, don't tie things around your body parts. You'll lose them. Children of God, don't tie things around your body parts. You'll lose them. You'll lose your love, your joy, your peace, your kindness, your goodness, your self-control. Come on, have we not seen enough of the church behaving in fear? The fruits of fear choke out all the fruits of the Holy Spirit. When we're abusive or rough with people, it's because we're afraid. We don't have kindness and love and peace and patience. Look, patience and peace. Think about this. When anxiety is ruling, I can't have peace about tomorrow because I don't trust God. I don't trust God with today. Fear cuts off the circulation for all of the healthy and the good things in my life. In fact, the best things in my life in the kingdom will be, will be cut off. Fear also elevates itself and it uses pride as an armor and a shield. See, fear, it's afraid of something. It's afraid of an injury, a hurt, a worry, or something that could happen to us. And so when it really starts to take over, it starts to armor up. Brene Brown teaches some great stuff about vulnerability and armoring up, and it's fantastic. She uses that word, I think it's awesome, armored up. And then that armored up feeling, it starts to like want to just protect everything. But when we're protecting everything, we can't have intimacy and real relationship. So fear will armor you up in pride and defensiveness, and it will deflect intimacy. Because it wants to be in control of whatever it's scared of. Don't use, don't allow fear to become armor. Fear will also amputate intimacy in your life. It will choke out real compassion and love in your life. Fear leads to control, rage, and loss of relationship. Always, always, always. And in fact, fear, the more we partner with it, and this, I have not been given a spirit of fear, Romans 8, 15, instead of power, love, and a sound mind, or a spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. That's sort of a mixture of 2 Timothy and and Romans 8, sorry, but this passage here, this spirit is like a partnership with fear, okay? So when I develop this partnership with fear, it actually grows and becomes a way of seeing. It becomes a lens that I see through. 
And so now all of a sudden, the lens that I have on, I start to see everything through fear. And now I see you through fear. I see our church through fear. I see all of my finances, my personal life, what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to do, my body, everything through fear, fear, fear. Fear of not measuring up. Fear of not being enough. Fear of rejection. Fear of loss. Fear of, fear of failure. Fear of not being significant or making a difference. Fear of being hurt. Fear of being alone. Right? Fear just cuts off everything healthy in my life. And fear will eventually put you on the bench. I used to ride the pine in basketball. That's what they call it. When you play basketball and you sit on the bench and you're not in the game. You ride the pine. It used, they used to be wood. Now they're like plastic chairs. But it was like wood when I was a kid. And I'd sit there. Why everybody got to play. Aww. I wasn't used to that because other sports I was never, I was always in. But when I played basketball, I was just really that bad. And that made sense to me. I was like, I'm just really that bad. You really should play somebody else. But I like being on the team, right? But it's way more fun to be in the game. And fear will put you on the bench in your life, in the kingdom. Eventually, be so afraid of taking any risks because you're looking through a lens of fear and you're all armored up and you're, and you're just trying to protect and hide and run and shrink back now from participating in the game because you're afraid of all the things that could possibly happen. But these are useless fears. This type of anxiety and fear is not useful like the fear of reverencing God is useful. It draws us toward a relationship with him. But this type of anxiety is actually useless. And we always know when there's a useless fear in the environment because it's blocking us from the good things that God has called us to. It's holding us back from those things. It's restricting us from those things. We need the enemy to just flat out get out of our space. And he needs to get out of your head. Because listen, the enemy, is he will use fear eventually after he has choked out and blocked all of your life. He is like the worst kid at your birthday party. <laughs> Where your mom lights the birthday cake. And they're all like just about to sing. And you're like, it's my birthday. And everybody loves me. And I'm going to have an amazing future. And this year's going to be the best year ever. And they're all just about ahead. And he goes, <laughs> Aren't you glad you invited me to your birthday? <laughs> no, devil. I didn't invite you my birthday. My mom said you had to come. <laughs> I hate it when you're at my birthday, you candle blowing out and fool. That's the devil. He's that kid. He's that kid. The devil's that kid that shows up to your birthday when God lights a candle and gives you a spark and a vision and a dream for your life, a hope for the kingdom of God that you could possibly do something. And all of a sudden, within five seconds, he just goes, Happy birthday. See, the devil's not dumb. He knows he has no leverage to stop your kingdom movement driven by the Holy Spirit, God himself, who cast him out of heaven. He said, no more. I'm blowing you out. That's how he got out of heaven. Jesus woke up one morning. He just goes, see you in Hades, buddy. 
And he knows he has no leverage because Jesus went and he purchased the keys. All authority has been given to God and he gave it to you and I. And he says, these are my kids and these are, my, uh, these are this authority back on earth and I'm going to use them to wreak havoc on your world and I'm going to show you what it's all about. So the devil wants to use fear, worry, and anxiety to choke you out like a bunch of weeds in your garden that just grow around your tree till it just has no more life. And in fact, he'll get you to a place well, where he really knows that before kingdom life can even start at your birthday... The place, the birthplace of a kingdom thought and idea that God has in your life, and that sparks, he just, he knows that if he can just blow that thing out, he doesn't have to fight something he has no power against. If we as God's kids never exercise our rights as heirs because we're too scared of what we could lose, then we'll never start anything that the enemy can't stop. Just think about this. If we as God's kids never exercise our rights as heirs because we're too scared of what we could lose here on earth, then we will never start anything that the enemy can't stop. Don't let the devil blow out your candle. And if you're so struggling with fear, that you're that kid at the birthday party, stay away from me. And stay away from God's kids, please, or deal with your fear. Because you're scared of what your kids or friends or people around you, that they might make a mistake, that God might not provide for them, that something bad might happen. Listen, there's gonna be plenty of trouble in this world, but fear not. Your God says, I will not abandon you. I will be with you. Don't be a birthday candle blowing out person. Because you're scared you want to blow out their candle. Under the kahaya, the devil is a liar. Whew. Not today, Satan. Dude, I have so much stuff that is just going to be next week. Second Timothy. One five. You could come out too. I know you're waiting to come out and play the piano. I want to sing this song before we go, and there's just a bunch of stuff we're going to talk about next week, so don't miss it. Can we read this? This is what Paul says. This is my friend Gabby. Isn't she fabulous? Yeah. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that the same faith continues strong in you. This is Paul talking to Timothy, one of his disciples. There's something strong inside of you. There's a candle that's been lit. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Fan into flame that dream that's inside your life. Do not let fear blow it out. Don't let fear choke it out. Don't let fear block you from your destiny. Don't let the anxiety and the worry of tomorrow make you miss the manna and the good things, the provision today. Take a break and see what God does. Just take a nap. Just stop worrying for a second and let God take care of tomorrow. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity that would shrink back in anxiety and worry, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Next week, I promise, we're going to get to some practical tips. How do we break this fear off our life? 
Lord knows what he's doing. He did not make you. Can you put that Romans 8, 8, 8, 15 up there for me? He did not give you a spirit of fear. You didn't receive it that makes you a slave. See, fear wants to make you its slave. Choke out everything good in your life, all of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And so many times we think our fear decisions are actually creating something good. They're not. It's actually putting us in slavery and the people around us and the kingdom isn't coming out of us. It's in bondage. Instead, you received a spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. We close your eyes with me for a moment. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life to you. I worship you. God, I did not receive a spirit of fear, but God, I received a spirit, God, that does not make me a slave, a spirit that makes me a son, an heir, a child of the king, a daughter of the king. God, and I don't have a spirit, God, that causes me to shrink back, but it's full of power, love, and a sound mind. And today, devil, we put you on notice. Fear no longer has a grip or a hold on our life. We break the spirit of worry and fear off of our lives right now in Jesus' name. God, forgive me. Come on, pray this. God, forgive me for partnering with fear, with the spirit of fear. I command fear to go in Jesus' name. Love, come, fill my life. Holy Spirit, help me trust you and fall in love with you and enjoy my today. I trust you with tomorrow. Worship you today, Jesus. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, absolutely simple. Bible says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you'll be saved. Anybody here? I'm ready. I wanna, I wanna be a child of God. Would you raise your hand right where you're seated, sitting, seated? Jesus, I want to make you my Lord. I want to receive you today. If you want to give your life to the Lord, come pray with somebody after the service. Will you stand, church? I want to close this song. I want us to sing this. Maybe it has a deeper meaning for us. Father, we love you. We worship you, Jesus. Let your perfect love drive out all fear in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.